Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting EXIT PLAN with no spaces to 44222. That's EXIT PLAN to 44222. Again, text EXIT PLAN to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. A pleasure to have you with us. Uh, My guest today is Abby Donnelly, and she is with the Leadership and Legacy Group out of Greensboro. And um, we're going to talk about straight talk about planning your succession. Now, at the Leadership and Legacy Group, they partner with business owners and CEOs to develop their leaders to run the business profitably and sustainably in preparation for a successful succession and exit. And they work with executives age 50 to 70 who are facing career transition, whether it's next chapter or next career, figure out what will be meaningful and rewarding in their next phase of life. That's something we talk about practically every episode. Abby, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us. I look forward to today. Thank you, Bill. So do I. I appreciate it. Abby, uh, this is not an easy topic for a lot of business owners to think about. Um, their succession and turning over the the keys, so to speak, to, to other people in their business. And then, again, how do they change? Their, their, a lot of people fear you know, the future, what they're going to do, because they haven't properly uh, set up you know, hobbies and activities and, and thought about, put a lot of thought into this. So let's talk about that. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in the Leadership and Legacy Group. Sure. I started my career with Procter & Gamble uh, in the late, um, late 80s. And I spent about 14 years there and did a variety of different manufacturing roles and uh, product supply, internal consulting type roles. And then I left the business to start my own company, and I started a management training and development company, and then I merged into Sandler Training, so I learned how to sell, which was a very good thing Mm -hmm. if you run your own business, and I also Mm -hmm. trained sales professionals while I still maintained the executive coaching and management training function that I had done on my own. And then about 2012, I started seeing some shift in the marketplace due to the baby boomers reaching, at that time it was about age 65, 66, and began to think about what the implications were going to be as this massive group of people reached their retirement, traditional retirement age, and people don't even use the word retirement anymore, I'm finding. So I looked into the opportunity around this this business that I started, and I interviewed about 50-plus CEOs, read a lot of articles and white papers, and have done some listening to Exit Coach Radio, and figured out that there was really a not only a market there but a need, and that leads me there to there. Sure is, yeah, yeah. There, there sure is. It's, it's, um, it, it's amazing how many people uh, that that 
I have calling me saying, you know what, you first started talking to me, I heard you talk about this eight years ago, and guess what? It's time. <laughs> you know, and a lot of people are just aging into this this thought process. They're saying, um, you know, I need to do something. I need to start start this planning. In your experience, what is the what's the timeline that people are coming at you with? What are they saying? You know, I, I need to do something because I want to be out of this business in X number of years. Is there a a, a number of years that kind of uh, is more talked about than others? Well, you know, it's funny because the research will tell you that the best time to start doing your succession planning is at least 10 years in advance. And when I talk to people about when they're planning on exiting the business, I learned a phrase from Patrick Ungashik, who wrote the book Dance in the End Zone, and he coined this phrase, the rolling 10. And so I've been doing Vistage presentations around the country, and I've been doing a lot of presentations in the Greensboro-Winston-Salem market. And when I meet CEOs, and you know they look to be maybe in, at the age range where I expect that they might be starting to think about this, I'll ask them, so when are you planning on exiting your business? And they'll say, eh, five to ten years. And then I'll see them again a few years later, and I'll say, so when are you planning on exiting your business? And they'll say, eh, five to ten years. And then I see them again three or four years later, and, of course, you know what they say. So um, mm-hmm. what I'm mm-hmm. finding is that the majority of people are not pulling the trigger and starting to do the important work of exit planning or succession, even the mm-hmm. development process for their people. Yeah, the, starting the clock, right? Starting the clock on that, what, that five years or whatever, because you're right. That's, it's, and the years just, you know, they roll by quickly. They roll by quickly. That's That's – the issue, and when yeah. you lose that time that you could have been developing and working on this, I think a lot of people think, well, I don't want to do that because I'm too busy working. This is not something that they're going to spend all their day doing, right? Oh, gosh, no. And, you know, it's really just good business practice. You know, in my book, I talk about some of the systems that are important to make sure that you shore up or have in place. And, you know, I look at it from the perspective of, well, why not do it now anyway? Whether you're 25 years old or 50 or 65 or 70, why not build the infrastructure and the systems and develop the people? Because even if you don't sell the business now, you still have a stronger systems, better, you know, better talent. Why wouldn't you want that now? Right, right, right. Really, really looking at the business like a buyer would and as an owner should. Um, so when you're, uh, you know, baby boomers are turning 71 this year. I mean, it's it's incredible. Think of the number of people turning uh, 65 is what 10,000 a day. So uh, a lot of those people are turning 71 now at the front edge of the baby boomers. Um, what are the implications for business owners who are planning to sell their business into this this uh, this huge number of baby boomers that are turning these eight, these retirement ages? Well, you know, I thought that this was going to happen, uh, start happening several years ago, and I'm just starting to see the leading edge of it in the last probably three to six months. But there are um, – I've done some of the math on how many businesses exist that are, you know, larger than a sole proprietorship. And when you do the analysis, you find that there are between 6 and 8 million businesses that are going to change hands primarily due to the aging baby boomers in the next 10 years. And so if you think about the implication of that, it's a supply and demand 
opportunity. And so if you're a buyer, the best thing that you can do is you can wait this out a little bit. You know, you wait five years, eight years, something like that, and there's going to be a glut. There are going to be a glut of businesses available on the open market. But if you're a seller and you keep thinking, well, you know, I've got a few more good years in me, or I think I can get more money for my business if I just invest a little bit more in it today or something like that, the risk is that you're going to wait a little bit too long, not only miss the peak, but maybe hit the marketplace when everybody else is deciding to hit the marketplace. So that's my biggest concern. It's not that I want uh, you know, business owners necessarily to sell early, but I want to make sure that they're aware that the demographics are just going to create a situation where there is going to be a lot of competition, and that you know, not in their be- on their behalf. Yeah, one of the things that's an interesting phenomenon is that if you look at the the U.S. Uh, statistics, the population statistics, there's a spike in the later years of the baby boomers, um, those between ages about f- uh, probably 53 now and, and uh, 57 or 58. There's a spike there. And so what's interesting now is older baby boomers can sell to younger baby boomers who are looking at growing, growing their businesses yep. now. The problem right. is... After that, it drops off pretty precipitously, and, and there's, that's where the big problem comes, right? Well, and the other, um, the other issue is that the Gen X is a smaller generation, and so a lot of boomers are appropriately thinking about bringing in their children, who are often millennials, and they're thinking about bringing them in when they are in their 60s, but the millennials are in their thir- early 30s. And the knowledge gap, is pretty large. The experience gap, of course, is going to be large, but even the knowledge gap. And so closing those gaps in a very short window of time so that the millennial generation can be prepared to take over and run the business that's been in existence for 30 years can be challenging. It's not, you know, there are some fantastic, very, very talented millennials for sure. But on average, the gap is significant enough that it's going to take at least three to five years of development work to really position the millennials to gain enough intentional development and experience to be able to take over. Really good point. And the other the other phenomenon that's happening is that if you have a good key manager, second in command, that's maybe 10 or 15 years younger than you, um, you need to be very aware that that person – is a, has a target on their back as other baby boomers your age are looking at finding people like that that you've educated. Uh, um, so let's talk about that. What, what are the one or two biggest challenges business owners face as they think about starting the process of succession planning and exit? Well, you know, it's interesting. I have, um, as I talk to business owners that are thinking about this this process, they usually think that the hardest thing is going to be to find a buyer. You know, it, and it is hard to find a buyer. You've got to find somebody that not only is interested in your business, but has the funds to afford to pay you what you think it's worth. And then, you know, of course, the, the third piece is they have to be willing to pull the trigger. And so it can be challenging to find that. Sometimes, you know, one of the, the questions I, I like to ask an owner who's thinking about selling your business and has a valuation in mind, whether it's a formal valuation that is paid an expert to do or whether it's something they've done on the back of a napkin or whether it's something that they believe is what they want to get for the business, 
what I like to ask him is, how much would you pay for the business? Because that often shifts the thinking a little bit and puts them their mindset in a in the framework of, well, if, if I were the buyer, what would I be looking for? Which is exactly what you want them to be thinking about. So, um, so it is hard to find the buyer, but those are not, you know, those are not really the biggest issues that I have seen. There are three big issues that continue to show up over and over again in the work that I do. One is that if you don't have a qualified buyer, and a qualified buyer means that they've got to have the money to pay for it. So a lot of times you've got a um, a business owner that wants to sell it to a a family member or a key employee, and in order for them to get the payout for it, of course, the owner's got to stick around in the business long enough for the successor to make it profitable and start to be able to pay them out. Um, the third-party sale, of course, should be much easier. They'll get the payout, and they may have an earnout associated with that. So, you know, that's a piece of it. But the, the bigger issues are that the owner's identity is often very, very, very deeply tied to the business. It's like another child, you know. They've grown yep. up mm-hmm. with the business. They've um, developed and grown the business. Hopefully they've made it quite profitable and successful, and they're in a position to sell it. But the idea of selling it is often much more attractive than the identity that uh, they've got connected to the business. And so a lot of a lot of time what I find is that they will go through the process and they may get all the way to the end and then think, oh, my gosh, who am I without this business? Like how am I going to introduce myself at parties and mm-hmm, what am I right. going to do when I'm no longer the president of this company or the owner? And so that can be really, really uncomfortable and uncomfortable enough that I've seen deals fall apart when you know it's the day to sign all the paperwork because the owner just decides that you know what I'm not ready to let it go yet. Um, so that's that's one of the big issues. Shall I go on to the other? That's that's a huge issue that you're talking about there, and that's uh, let's go on to the other. But uh, put a pin in that one because that is a huge issue that uh, we find business owners all the time are saying that that is me, that business is me, and I don't know what I'll do after that. So let's move on to the next one. Um, the next one is that most owners, not all, but most owners have never sold a business before. And so there's a lot of uncertainty that comes with selling a business. And if they've never done it before, many of them are afraid that they're going to make a mistake. You know, they may leave money on the table because they could have gotten more for their business, but they didn't know how to negotiate or they didn't know how to price it appropriately. Some are concerned that they won't be leaving money on the table uh, from a seller buyer-seller perspective, but they're worried that they haven't done appropriate tax planning, and so they may end up paying more taxes than they could have if they had a really good tax CPA. Um, Or some are concerned that they're going to um, make a mistake and sell it to the wrong person. Or, you know, maybe they make a strategic sale, but then they realize that they really would have loved for someone that they actually know to carry on the business, even if it was you know, for a little bit less money. Other times they're concerned that, you know, others will judge them about the process that they used or the decisions that they made or didn't make or something like that. So there's a there's so much uncertainty that comes with something like this 
not to mention the fact that it costs money to go through this process to hire the right resources and you know if you can even figure out how they are and then it it takes time you know it takes time to find the right buyer the financial aspects of it can be confusing Sometimes the conversations are just difficult, you know, if you're going to sell the business to a third party, but you've got a key employer or a family member that had designs on owning the business. Mm-hmm. Telling them that you're not selling it to them can be a tough conversation. Um, sometimes you've got two people that could be candidates for the ownership um, of the company, but you only choose to sell it to one, and that, that can be really tough too. How do you have those conversations? So there's just a lot involved and a lot of uncertainty and stress. And when all is said and done, there just aren't any guarantees. You're painting a great picture for listeners that that what seems like should be an easy transaction is fraught with complexity, especially when you have, uh, like you said, uh, uh, the statistics I've seen recently are that more business owners, more of the smaller business owners especially, are thinking about selling uh, continuing their business by transitioning to an insider than selling to an outsider. They always have to have plan A and plan B, of course, but there are so many um, difficult emotional decisions to make along the way with regards to what you want to happen and what is going to have to happen, right? along the You have to be real about this. Well, and it's interesting, um, one of the uh, firms that is very involved in this did some research and found that 75% of business owners want to sell their business, but only 20% of businesses actually sell. And so there's a massive gap there between who wants to and who's actually going to be successful. So the more owners can really learn and understand and figure this out, the more likely they are to be able to sell it. But when you, you know, when you're in your 60s and you've built a successful business, it can be really uncomfortable to feel like you're starting to learn something brand new that you have a very vested interest in, but aren't sure exactly how to go about this, or even who the right advisors are to quarterback your uh, succession and exit team. Yeah, and it's important to to realize also, uh, isn't it that? Um, not everybody who says that they do business succession planning has a methodology or experience in coordinating your team, which is really, really important. This is a, this is not a one person. Unless you're saying, you know what, I know I want to sell it, and I, I'm going to hire a business broker and just put it on the market. But that's kind of old-fashioned thinking for a lot of people these days, because, like you said, uh, maybe a hundred business owners try to do that and very, very few actually pull the trigger because they're disappointed about the value they find out their business is worth, they haven't thought about the taxes, or their their business, it just pure and simple, isn't very valuable or very ready because it's all about them in particular, and they haven't done enough work pre-planning. So yep, there's, exactly a, there's right. a lot that goes into this. There's a lot to go this. So let's talk a little bit about the... Um, developing leaders to run the business profitably and sustainably. Uh, once someone says, you know what, here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to go, and I hear this all the time, you do too, I want to go from overtime president to part-time chairman of the board and, and just cash checks, but I need to bring my leaders up, and maybe they're children or maybe they're younger employees. Um, how do I start getting them ready to run the business? Yeah, you know, um, 
the traditional way that people think about development is they think about it in terms of training. And so, you know, the traditional model is, well, just go get them some training. Send them out to some classes. They can learn about, you know, the P&L, and they can learn about a balance sheet and figure out some of that stuff. Or send them to technical training if you have a company that produces something technical or sells something technical, you know, those kinds of things. But that's not anywhere near sufficient. Really, the best development process is to do an assessment of what are the gaps that you need to close between the uh, skills and competencies and uh, performance that the per- the successor has today and what they're going to need to do, not only to run the company as CEO or president or owner, but also when the president or when the owner leaves, what are the new gaps that are going to show up and who are the right people to fill those gaps. And then once you understand the gap analysis, then you build a set of, sure, it can include training and coaching and some of that kind of thing, but the most powerful methodology for closing those kinds of gaps is really to build in deep, meaningful developmental experiences. So instead of you know, taking someone with you when you do your job and having them, quote, shadow you, you know, that's not terribly effective. But if you put them on projects and you, you know, put them in situations where you help them prepare for those situations, but you enable them to stretch and grow just a little bit outside of their comfort zone and you give them the kind of broadening developmental experiences where they have to learn by doing and then you debrief those experiences with them, that's where the power is, and that's what transforms and grows people at a much more rapid pace. Very good. So actually getting them involved so you can see how they handle situations and, uh, and not, uh, uh, not, not hold back, not hold back on, on that type of, of a situation where, uh, right, so let them make mistakes, but be there to be there, like the driver's ed cars with two wheels <laughs> or a brake pedal at least. That's right. That's, you know, that's a great example. And um, another example that I would offer is um, I was working with a a CEO of a company, and they did a lot of, you know, the business that they had was located in Greensboro, and it it did a lot of, you know, very traditional kinds of things. But because of the industry that they were in, they went to uh, Raleigh at the state level and then at the federal level in Washington, D.C. to do a lot of lobbying. And that was a really important part of the CEO's role was to stay abreast of what was going on in the industry and try to influence law and policy and stuff like that. And so the owner or the CEO was going to bring along his deemed successor to come and watch him in action. And I suggested instead of bringing him along to have you watch you know, have them watch you in action, what I would recommend that you do is give him one of the um, one of the issues and have him put together his argument, have him build the the statement and the approach that he was going to take, and then bring it to you in advance, go through it with you. You would help him fine-tune it, and then you accompany him to the state capitol and to sit down with the right people and ha- he presents, and you're the backup and the support. And then afterwards, you debrief, and you talk about, okay, what did he do well? What could he have done differently? Where, if anywhere, did he do some things that didn't serve the purpose for the trip? And then next time, he's going to do it a little bit better, and so on and so on. And 
there's just a dramatic difference in the experience of doing that versus following along. Because, you know, a lot of us think that, oh, I know what to do. But knowing what to do and actually doing it are two very, very different things most of the time. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and there's, there, are, uh, um, there are companies out there, the consultants out there, that call themselves river captains. And I like that analogy. It's like uh, they're going to help navigate the the narrow, uh, the, the unfamiliar passages of moving towards exit planning. And in that way, the, the elder CEO can become the river captain for the younger uh, successor owner as well in a similar type of fashion, help them navigate and just say, look, I'm not going to steer the boat. I'm just going to set the course and navigate and, and um, tell you where I, I see that the issues are, and then we're going to learn together on that. Great, great stories, that. great analogies. Tell me about your new book, uh, Abby, the uh, Straight Talk About Planning Your Succession, a Primer for CEOs. It sounds fascinating. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm really excited about it. So it's hot off the press, and it is available on Amazon. Um, and it's really focused on the idea that every owner, as you well know, will exit his or her business one day. And, you know, my objective is to try to help owners do it on their terms. So it's a really fast pace. It's an easy read. Uh, one of the business owners in our region uh, was given a copy by a colleague of mine, and he contacted me a few hours later, and he said, I finished your book. It was great. Let's talk. So we really explore the critical strategies and tools that pave the way for a successful exit on their terms, and we help them avoid the pitfalls that can derail everyone's best intentions. So it's all about setting the foundation for succession, whether you're exiting in one year or five years or 15 years. And we take them through the Donnelly Method, and there's really four phases of that. The first is uh, strategies for growth. So the idea is that you better have a um, strategic plan for your business that is either um, is viable for the next couple of years, next three to five years at least, so that your successor can come in and know that the business is sustainable because the strategy is sound. The other challenge that we look at there is can your successor actually implement the strategy? Do they have the right skills and competencies to be able to do that? So we make sure that the strategies are, are solid and in place, and if not, we change them or we change the successor, whichever the case may be. Um, mm -hmm. Then we go through a pretty substantial phase of intentional development, and I'm all about the intentional development. So, you know, taking people through the process of preparing them, grooming them to be able to take over. And, you know, you make some decisions along the way around, do you have to hire somebody else uh, or do you develop what, you know, who you've got, and then tracking the results and seeing that the performance goals are being met and the growth is happening. And then the third phase is around implementing sustainable systems. In most cases, it's not really implementing them, but it's really checking them. And so it's all those systems that contribute to the value of your business. Of course, management strength is one of them, but there are a lot of others. And every business is going to have their own mix of which ones are most important for value. So we go through a list of those and you know, give, give you some idea, the owner some idea of which ones they should pay attention to based on their business. And then the last phase is exit well. Um, there was an interesting study, um, I believe through the Harvard Public, School of Public Health, that looked at when owners exit their business. And it was a little bit broader than owners. 
But basically what they found is that the rate of obesity, drug abuse, alcoholism, and depression skyrocket if hard-charging executives do not have something meaningful and rewarding to go to. And that's a real challenge because when I ask people what they're going to do after they exit their business, you can guess what the three answers are. I've been in front of so many groups and I've asked, what do you think it is? And they always get it right. Number one, I'm going to travel a lot more. Number two, I'm going to spend more time with family. And number three, I'm going to play a lot of golf. And sometimes they say tennis, but it's always (laughs) golf or tennis. But the thing is that after six months, you know, that is really not enough. So by six months after they've exited their business, their community ties have weakened, their identity has separated enough, and they haven't re, um, reframed how they're going to position themselves. And they are now facing having to reenter a community that they used to be very active and engaged in in a new way. It's hard. Absolutely. It is difficult. It's a very difficult transition. Yeah, I, I'm looking. I have the book in my hands, and it's it's very it's a great um, setup for business owners because the chapters are uh, to the point, brief. There's no it, like it says. It's straight talk about planning your succession. <laughs> you know, you, a lot of these books you pick up and you go, "This is going to take me forever." Business owners uh, are put their their time at a premium, so you need to get. Uh, straight talk about planning your succession, a primer for CEOs. Uh, go to Amazon and pick up pick up the book. And also they can go to your website, right, and, and find out That's more right. uh, about uh, there's some um, downloads. There's six critical questions every business owner should answer, seven secrets to preparing for succession, and the Donnelly Report, the coming tsunami for America's small business owners. This is information that's available to you at no cost. You ought to... Uh, Check it out and read it. And that website is is simple, straighttalkaboutsuccession.com. That's straighttalkaboutsuccession.com. So, again, uh, Abby, you're you're a wealth of knowledge. And I I know, like I said uh, before we started, uh, this time flies by, but you have a wealth of knowledge. I can tell that you're very passionate about the topic, and anyone would be very lucky to uh, engage you and and, uh, have you help them through this but they can get your book, Your Wisdom, uh, right on Amazon. Again, it's uh, Straight Talk About Planning Your Succession, a primer for CEOs. If someone wanted to get in touch with you another way, what would be the best way for them to reach you? Uh, Sure, there are a couple of ways. Email is always good. My email address is abby, A-B-B-Y, at leadershiplegacygroup.com, abby at leadershiplegacygroup.com. And my main website is is, uh, leadershiplegacygroup.com, www. And then my phone number is 336-458-9939, 336-458-9939. And uh, I don't want to leave without telling our listeners that you are a Vistage speaker. So if you're listening from Vistage worldwide uh, as a as a chair or as a member, um, find out about having Abby Donnelly talk at your group, and also uh, you're a member of Exit Planning Institute, which which just proves that you're serious about this type of planning. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom and knowledge with our listeners today. It's been a real joy, and I can't wait for the next time we speak. Thank you so much, Bill. I really appreciate your invitation, and I appreciate the opportunity to be with you. All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after this, though, so please stay with us. 
Hey everybody, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. One of the questions I get asked the most is how do I grow the value of my business? I'm so busy working in it, I need to work on it. So we've created a special report for you on 10 tips to grow the value of your business. Just text the word DRIVERS to 44222 to get a special free report right to your inbox. That's DRIVERS to 44222. Text DRIVERS to 44222. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio.